Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Capital Crossover Podcast. This is your host, Kyle J. Andrews, and I am here today. Luckily, got a couple guests, just one guest. I'm I'm kidding, but, you know, that one guest, he counts for two, right? That's Kyrie Thompson from Boston.com. He occasionally writes some stuff for the Boston Globe, but we'll get to that later as, you know, if you all aren't familiar with what happened in the last, since the last episode, Lakers, man, Lakers got it done against the Warriors. They took the series four to two in the Western Conference semis. So what does that mean for the Wizards? I don't know. Hopefully, if you're a Wizards fan, you want Bob Myers to come over. Isn't that right? I mean, that's a given. We want to see Bob Myers with the Washington Wizards as the GM. Sam Amick, or I think it was Sam, not Sam Amick, I'm sorry, Sam Amico from Amico Hoops. He said that, you know, the Wizards were prepared to wait until Bob Myers made his decision. And they weren't going to move on a GM role until he made that decision. Draymond Green said he wanted to run it back. We'll see what happens with that. You know, as many people saw today, Logan Murdoch from The Ringer wrote a story about how the two timelines didn't match up. Go read that, guys. Um, great piece on that. Um, you know, Jordan Poole has some comments in there about his relationship with Draymond, you're just going to want to have to go read that on your own. As for the Lakers, they're moving on. They played really well. (laughs) That's just to say the least. Anthony Davis, man, Anthony Davis, 17 points, 20 rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a closeout game. LeBron James, nearly a triple-double, 39-9 with two steals. Austin Reeves, 23 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. And then D'Lo, 19 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. All four of them played really well. Dennis Schroeder annoyed Draymond, got a tee and got tossed out of the game. That was the second technical. Um, Draymond got a technical. Uh, but, you know, that Dennis the Menace, once again, he strikes again. Dennis the Menace, and then... Of course, Lonnie Walker had 13 points off the bench. Um, I'm just intrigued to see what happens in that series. And then not to mention that upcoming series for the Lakers because they will have the Nuggets. And, you know, the Nuggets, by all means, we're going to be seeing some fireworks in that series because, you know, the Nuggets have shown that they could score with the best of them. They... Beat the Suns 4-2. to Suns, obviously, led by Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Um, Devin Booker did not finish that series off really well, despite having such a great, um, you know, just beginning to the play, his playoff run. And we thought this was going to be an all-time run by Book. Um, clearly, that was stopped in his tracks, and he only had 12 in the last game of the playoffs for the Suns. Kevin Durant, he had 23 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. It was okay. Okay performance by Kevin Durant's standards. Um, but, 
you know, it's still Kevin Durant. You got to give him his credit because I would say without him and Book, this wouldn't have been possible. They wouldn't have even gotten to this point. Um, but at the same token, you know, Monty Williams gets fired after this. Um, you got a lot of great head coaches that are on the mend, I would say, that, you know, they might find their way back into the league. You might not this year, but they'll have a lot of opportunities. Doc Rivers could also possibly be one of those coaches from the Sixers. We'll see. I'm intrigued by it. As for the Nuggets, Mike Malone's there on the other side coaching, coaching up a really strong group of guys. I mean, this Nuggets team is outstanding. Nikola Jokic, 32 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Spotlight was on him. He answered the bell in 38 minutes. Triple, double, outstanding play by Nikola Jokic. As for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he stepped up, had 21 points. You're 3 and D, man. Jamal Murray, 26 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. That's exactly what you want to see out of a guy who has that high of a ceiling. Michael Porter Jr., he only had 10 points. Aaron Gordon only had 8 points, but you didn't need much. You had 125 to 100 win. And you had three outstanding performances. Bruce Brown also had 13 points coming off the bench. You just got to love what you see from the Nuggets. Um, I just think that they have a very strong team as a whole, very deep team. Not shocked by that one bit. And, you know, just going to that, we're going to talk more about this series later on. It went to seven games, Celtics, Sixers. Celtics close it out 112 to 88. And you get an all-time game from Jason Tatum. 51 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, and 12. Actually, make that two steals. I'm sorry. If he had 12 steals, wow. Would have been an outstanding way to have a triple double. But you also get a strong game from Jalen Brown, 25 points. And then Malcolm Brogdon. Love the I love the work that he's putting out. On the bench, very, very, very well done by Malcolm Brogdon. As for the Sixers, James Harden, what was that? Nine points, six rebounds, seven assists, two steals. Eh, eh. Joel Embiid, 15 points, eight rebounds, one assist. Eh. You let Tobias Harris outplay you. 19 points, 5 rebounds. Tobias was the only one doing what he was supposed to do, it seemed like. PJ, him and P.J. Tucker. And they're supposed to be role players. And Maxie, 17 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. They were decent. Where was Harden? Where was Embiid? Where was the rest of the bench? Shake Milton, 0. George Niang, 0. Cork Moss, 0. Melton, yeah, Melton, Paul Reed, Daniel House, and and Springer. They all had under what is it? They all had under ten points. I mean, somebody's got to step up off the bench. And like I said before, Doc Rivers might be the odd man out. You never know. We'll see. But Lakers, Nuggets, the Heat put away the Knicks too. Gotta love what you see from the Heat. I mean, 
hey, it's the Heat, man. They play, they play, they've done what they're supposed to do. Um, I'm not saying that on this podcast we're Heat lovers because, you know, we like the Washington Wizards, right? But the Heat, you got to take their ca- your cap off to them. Eric Spolscher gets some love later on in this podcast, and the Heat will take on the Boston Celtics later on in this week. That's actually starting on Wednesday, Heat versus Celtics. And then tomorrow, you got the Nuggets and the Lakers at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. That'll be on ESPN. The other game will be on, drum roll please, TNT at 8.30 p.m. Wednesday. And with that being said, we are going to roll around to some Celtics talk with Kyrie Thompson from Boston.com. We got another guest, somebody that I've been I've been reading their stuff for quite a long time. I mean, he he's a Hampton U grad. You know, that's for those that don't know on a podcast. I'm I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad was in the Navy, so had a lot of family down there. My mom went to Norfolk State. So that's another thing, too. I know that's that's a was a rival, was a real big rival. Still is. Still is. Yeah. And we got Karee Thompson on, man. I'm I'm glad to finally get you on here, talk some Celtics. But you know, you got you got a lot of background doing some great things in the in the journalism industry. Just tell tell the crowd about yourself. Appreciate it. So um, yeah, I'm Kari Thompson. Um, I'm from Boston originally. I cover pro sports in Boston now for Boston.com. But uh, I got my start covering high school sports in Memphis. Um, my first year down there was James Wiseman senior year. So covering the number one player in the country was pretty cool. Um, my most recent stop before this was Jackson, Mississippi, covering Jackson State, another HBCU. During the Deion Sanders era, I didn't think that I would end up leaving before Deion did, but I did. Um, got a job back home and now I'm covering the teams I grew up watching. See, that, that's fun, though. That's always a fun uh, experience, being able to cover some of the teams that you watched growing up. Um, I got to cover the Ravens and the Orioles. Uh, that was that was a great experience for me. But I know Memphis, man, covering high school sports, that's a big thing we got in common. We both covered high school sports. You covered down in Memphis. Just, you know, talk to us about the, the pace down in Memphis when it came to covering high school sports down there. I know... Uh, my fiance, she lived in Memphis for four years. She did teach for America. So, oh no way! What school was she at? At Hamilton. Oh no way! Okay, yeah. South Memphis. Okay. Oh yeah. So she was she was down there teaching, and so yeah, I got a lot of familiarity with Memphis. I was down there quite a bit, um, and I'm kind of shocked that we didn't cross paths at all. I know it was it was busy, but uh, that was like I want to say 2019, no, 2017 to 2021. That was so. The- yeah, that was the year before I got there, 2017. Yeah. I got 2018. Yeah. But yeah, nice. 
Uh, yeah, man, Hamilton. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's Young Dolph's alma mater. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, man, it's uh, hoops is obviously a huge thing down there for high schools. Um, you know, I missed having Penny as one of my coaches by one year. Penny took the Memphis job the year that I came. Um, and Mike Miller was a coach down there, too. Um, at Houston High School after he left Memphis. So there was just always a steady flow of talented dudes. I mean, if you look now, remember Cam Jones scored like six straight yep. points tournament for Marquette. Like he was one of the kids I covered down there. Um, you got a bunch of kids at Memphis that I covered. Um, you had Wiseman. Um, I, I never covered Precious Achua, but I would always see him around, <laughs> you know, um, and then there's Musa Cisse who just tr- transferred to Ole Miss. So there was just a crazy amount of basketball talent. Also football, man, too. I mean, Kobe Dean was down there on the Mississippi side of the of the uh, Memphis area. Him and Eric Gray, who just got drafted by the Giants, were the two best high school football players in my area in my senior year. And I had to choose between them for player of the year. And that was a tough decision. I went with Eric Gray because, you know, his stats were ridiculous and video game like. But I mean, how do you go against the number one linebacker in the country? Yeah, I, I can only imagine because that, that's the thing. Like I, I had some tough decisions, too. I remember we had um, we tried to pick player of the year and we had Blake Quorum, at, who's at Michigan currently. Uh, you know, he's tearing things up there, but. We also had um, we had Marlo Wax, who's at Syracuse right now. Also had Sean Tucker, who was also at Syracuse. A lot of Cuse guys, and then we had um, ton of Maryland guys. A huge Maryland connection with uh, St. Francis. Um, I don't know if that Maryland connection will stick anymore, just because St. Francis is the old head coach is now the head coach at uh, University of Charlotte or University of North Carolina at I mean in Charlotte. So. Um, that's that's going to be an interesting thing. But, you know, we got you on here to talk about the Celtics because, yeah. I mean, the Celtics, they look they look like a team that can continually weather the storm. People like Bach Rivers said, what was it? Just just yesterday, he was like, you know, people called Joe Missoula stupid a couple days ago. But look at what he's done now. And it seems like despite the you know the the answers and non-answers that Missoula has with the media it, it seems like he's figured certain things out with the team but I mean from your perspective how has it been just with this team like covering them and seeing them from up close like what's the difference between Missoula at the beginning of the season after Ime Udoka was um, suspended and uh, you know held away from the team to, or I guess not not necessarily suspended, but just told you can't come back. Well, I guess indefinitely. Um, but right. yeah, what, what's the difference between that team at the beginning of the season with Missoula and this team currently? Well, I'll be real. I jumped in after Patriot season. So I jumped in, you know, pretty much right around the new year. And uh, Joe's the same guy. Like he he hasn't changed much. He's done a consistent job throughout. Um, I think that's part of the frustration is that some of the Celtics same issues that we got on Joe about during the regular season were popping up during the playoffs. Hence, not calling timeouts. Like the national, I feel like the national conversation, that issue with Joe kind of got introduced during the playoffs. 
But Boston media has been telling him about that from beginning. Like, you know, that's just his style. That's who he is. He likes to let his guys play through things. And, um, you know, I think overall he's done a pretty great job. By any objectable measure, he's been a very good coach for the Celtics. It's just that the Celtics, a lot of their wounds are self-inflicted, man. They're such a good team. And when they're on, they can blow teams out the water. But they admitted that they didn't take Philly as seriously as they needed to at the beginning of the season. And look what happened. Philly took him to seven games. And, you know, anything can happen in a game seven. Fortunately, Jason Tatum snapped out of his funk and had a historically great performance at game seven, which I was at on Sunday. But, uh, you know, they got lucky in a lot of respects. And that's one thing that seems to, you know, they always talk about the, I mean, we we watched Winning Time and they talked about the luck of the Irish that the Celtics seemingly had. Um, you know what, how how lucky are they really? And how much of it is just like, you know, they can actually, yeah, it's like they caused the whole, they dug like a, a hole the size of Texas, but then they dug themselves out of said hole. Sure. I mean, talent wise, this is a team that you could argue is the most talented team left, has been the most talented team left since Milwaukee. So they shouldn't be having teams take them to six and seven. Like Atlanta taking them to six should have never happened. But, you know, you let them hang around and then guys like Trey Young and James Harden, if you give them enough chances, they'll pop one. They'll beat you. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've had a lot of luck involved. They've had a lot of luck in their other guys being able to step up and have Jason Tatum completely disappear for like three straight games. (laughs) Now, fortunately he stepped up in the final minutes of game six and had an amazing game seven. I guess he was saving all his buckets for Sunday when it really counted, but I mean, come on, man, he was all time bad four, five, and most of six. And and that's one thing that they need. They need a consistent Jason Tatum to win a title in my in my estimation. I guess like other people in Boston would say the same thing. Um, but what besides just Jason Tatum, it seems like Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown's been the guy throughout. I mean, it seems like if Jason Tatum's off, it seems like Jalen Brown's on. And if they could get it both together at the same time, I mean, that's an offensive output that you can't stop. Would you agree with the estimation? Well, not just offense, two-way. I mean, those are those are two-way guys. But I'll, I'll say this. Jalen has been consistent whether Tatum's been off or not. Tatum's had more of the wild swings. Tatum has had a bunch of, like, one for eight starts, oh for nine, like, just brutal, horrendous. And then he just blows the Sixers out of the water on Sunday. Jalen's been more of a steady, I'm going to give you my 20, my 22, 23, 25. Like, that's what we've been getting from Jalen, and that's what we've needed. And you see the other guys step up around him. I mean, like, Al Horford defended Embiid last night. It was huge. And he's hit some big shots, too. I mean, Marcus Smart, at the start of game six, hit a bunch of threes that set the tone and kept the Celtics offense going when, you know, Tatum didn't have a shot. But um, yeah, the Jays, people like to put them against each other and try to ask like who's better than one or the other, but they need each other. Their games complement each other. They're a package. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that there. I know a lot of people, because this is a Washington Wizards podcast, a lot of people were 
hoping that, uh, you know, the Jays would get split up and, you know, maybe a Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum reunion happen. But that's, I don't ever see that happening just because, number one, that, that duo up there, that, that's some bad boys, man. That's some bad boys. And, you know, when it comes to Jalen Brown, I just think about the way he shot the three this series. It was it was outstanding. Yeah. He shot at a 43.2 uh, percent clip. Um, you know, Derek White was instrumental too, 39.3. I mean, they're hitting threes when they need them to hit threes. Um, you know, a number of other guys stepped up as well. Um, they're grabbing rebounds. They, you know, they bruised, they bruised Joel and beat up. They they surely did. And I mean, he got his, and that's what's gonna happen when you play against the MVP. But it really seemed like they all bought in and that defense that the Celtics bring on a, on a night to night basis when they, when it's on, it's on. And what, what would you say is the next step for them in terms of where they need to improve it? Because it seems like that height, like you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's so high, but then in consist- consistency, they need to get that under wraps. It's a shame that we have to talk about a group of, professional basketball players this way, but they need to bring it every night, man. Like, dude, they admittedly did not bring it against the Sixers or the Hawks those first couple games. Like, they need to come out firing like it's game seven every single game. Like, they need to treat every single game like it matters. Um, and that's kind of it with this group, man. I mean, they're so deep. They have the, – the thing that's crazy about this group is they have so many guys that can, one, space the floor, but two – if you need them to get you like 20 or 30, they can. Like, obviously, you have the Jays. Derek White has those moments too. And also, what's great about Derek White is that when Missoula was like, yo, we're going with Rob, we're going with the double bigs, Derek White was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, this is about winning. This is about trying to get a wing. I'll come off the bench. I'll do what I need to do. Still hit his shots, made his stops, and handled his business. Like, you know, Brogdon can get you buckets. He's the sixth man of the year. You know, if, if you need a Brogdon game, you can get a Brogdon game if you want. Like, there's so many dudes. I mean, and then, of course, Mark is smart. He's he's a little streakier, but, you know, he he makes those hustle plays and does all those little things that uh, Celtics fans really enjoy. So, man, they got options, man. They just need to put it all together. And that, that's one thing, you know, I feel like Mark, Malcolm Brogdon, I know people probably overlook him on a national scale, or maybe not anymore since he was a sixth man. But I remember last year before, there was a lot of talk from other teams. I know the Wizards were interested in trading from Malcolm Brogdon at one point. And, you know, they ended up opting for, you know, the familiar candidate in Monte Morris. And clearly we see how that goes. But, you know, I also think part of the the method to Malcolm Brogdon's madness is just the fact that he's – a starting level, starting caliber point guard that's coming off the bench. Um, and do you feel like that they're not losing? It doesn't seem like they're losing much from going from Marcus Smart to Malcolm Brogdon or, you know, maybe Derek White runs a one sometimes. And it, it doesn't seem like they're losing a lot with the three of them. And they're all guys that could play together as well. Um, you know, what – how special is that to have three guys that you can rely on and they all do different things well, but, um, right. You know, it's important. It's your preference. It's what you want, right? Do you want the NBA's, do you want last year's defensive player of the year to help you close out a game defensively? Right. 
Do you need a little bit more of a scoring punch? Someone who can score outside, go with Malcolm Brogdon. You need more of an all-around guy who happens to be one of the best little shot blockers in the league and Derek White. Like, it depends on what flavor you're trying to go with in that game. And that's a beautiful thing because you need certain types of skill sets in certain moments. And the things that we really like about Marcus Smart's game are also the things that we really dislike about Marcus Smart's game. Like, he plays incredibly hard. He causes chaos. Um, he will take shots that make you go, no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> like he, and, and the same thing, like end of the game, we get a little Marcus smart chaos that drive us crazy when like normally, you know, the Marcus, the good Marcus smart chaos is him stripping the ball away from a guy like Embiid and, you know, grabbing crazy rebounds. So um, yeah, it's just, it just, a, it's, it's a, it's a good situation for Joe. Because Joe has a lot of options where he can be like, I need this in this specific moment. And I have a player whose skill says tailor made for giving me that. Let me ask you a question. And all jokes aside, do people in Boston actually call Robert Williams Time Lord? Do yeah. they actually call him that? They, they do call him Time Lord for sure. I'm I'm kind of shocked because I feel like nationally that's not. I don't know if I don't. I mean, I feel like a lot of people like scoff at it. They're like, man, whatever. And I know the story behind it. Obviously, he was late to a lot of things early on. And they they were like, oh, he's time lord. And I find that to be one of the most unique nicknames in the in the league. But um, it's a cool nickname and it's a differentiator, man. I mean, like, you know, Rob Williams is a cool name, but it's a common name. I mean, we all. We all know a, a famous Robert Williams, right? Meek Mill is named Robert Williams. Like, you know what I mean? So he's not even the most famous Robert Williams out there, man. So, I mean, and Robert Williams III is a lot to say. So, um, you know, I mean, I call him Rob or Robert, you know, but, you know, just professionally. But I know casual fans. Yeah, a lot of my friends are Celtics fans call him Time Warden. It's a cool name. Cool nickname. And um, just in terms of his play, you know, when when Rob Williams is healthy, he's one of the better defenders um, in the in the post. And yeah. after that injury that he had last season and his I guess his bounce back over the year, what what do you see is an aspect of his game defensively that, you know, is it is it is he getting back to that point or do you feel like it's just been kind of a slow stretch over the course of the season or a little bit of both man rob is fine now he's healthy i mean it's it's gotten to the point where joe i guess maybe to compensate for some of that had gone with you know a bunch of guards in a starting lineup like he'll start Derek white over over um over rob and it got to the point where the players this series were like no you need to go back to the lineup with robin it that got us where we were last year like you need to play him like, don't be bringing them off the bench and giving them limited minutes. Like, adjust to what the Sixers are doing. Adjust to the fact that Joel Embiid was killing us for, like, three straight games. Bring Rob in, and then you see the immediate impact. He didn't start until game six, and we know how game six and game seven went. Like, immediate impact. Yeah, Rob's there. He's that dude defensively. Um, and then I just think about, you know, Al Horford on on the right. board. I mean, playoff that, Al. yeah, playoff Al. He had um, 
11 in game six, even though, you know, he had a he had a tough assignment and he's up there boxing guys out that, it, you know, would talk about him being one of his former teammates. But it's it's impressive to me that Al Horford's carved out this type of career for himself. Sure. And I mean, I, I don't I I mean, Al Horford's all, always been a very, you know, more than respectable player. But it's just really impressive to see that, you know, someone of his age. And his body type, he's a bigger guy, and he's sticking around there and playing a really tough position. Um, but he's also able to shoot threes. He's right. also able to pass really well. I mean, what besides those aspects of his game makes Al Horford such a dangerous player? His ability to reinvent himself. He's not the same guy that – he's not the same Atlanta Al Horford that you grew up watching. Um, that guy used to bang in the post. He used to post up. We're not seeing that Al Horford that much anymore. Um, and Al Horford grabbing 11 rebounds, a bit of an aberration. He doesn't normally do that sort of thing. He just saved that performance for a big game. What Al is normally doing these days is he's hanging around the three-point line looking for threes. And he's hitting them. He's He's been one of the best in the NBA. I believe he was second in the league um, in three-point shooting percentage this year. He made over 40% of his three-point attempts, and he took a fair amount of them. So that's where he's getting a lot of his points. Um, it's funny because, like, one of the reporters in one of the scrums down in Philly kind of laughed when Al was like, you know, I'm an elite shooter, right? And, like, reporter legit laughed in his face. And Al was like, oh, you don't think I'm an elite shooter? Like, my numbers don't support it? He's like, all right, bet. And then he went five for seven <laughs> in that game and helped the Celtics beat Philly. Yeah, I mean, he he is an elite shooter. If people haven't seen his stats, he's shooting threes. This is a big man that, you know, like you said before, was banging in the post, all this other stuff. He was not shooting threes a ton when he first got in the league. He didn't start shooting more than one three a game until 2015, 2016. And he was, let's see, he was 28 that season. That was the first year that he shot more than one three a game. He shot 3.1. And he was shooting threes at a 36.4% clip. This season, he shot threes at a 44.6% clip. And hundreds of attempts. Yes. Like, <laughs> like 5.2 attempts per game he's shooting. And he he's doing this. I mean, Al Horford is a totally – I've never I don't think I don't think there are many players that can reinvent themselves like like he can. But it's impressive to see what he's doing just because of who he is, what he's done and just things along those lines. Oh, and he lives for the big games, man. I know. I know you remember last year when Giannis dunked on him and he's like, all right, bet. (laughs) He saw what happened after that. Milwaukee went home. Oh, yeah. That's what happened. It's like. The Celtics, they, you know, one thing about them is that they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you, you know, whether it's through Al Horford's leadership. And you, we talk, we talk a lot about, I mean, we've had multiple conversations about the Warriors in the past on this podcast, but the Celtics, they do have that, you know, leadership that I think that Al Horford brings. He might not be the best player on the team, but it's a very similar situation to like, you know, an Iggy that comes out and, uh, you know, that had to take a step back and reinvent himself as well and, you know, play a different role for them to win a championship. And Boston has had Al, they've had two different Al's too. We're not, 
you know, this Al Horford isn't the same as Al Horford who uh, punked the Wizards back in the day, unfortunately, <laughs> for, um, you know, all our listeners. But, you know, a very different Al Horford. He's he's better. He's Well, I mean, he's better in the sense of he has that knowledge and he can, you know, kind of pass that down to some of the other players. But um, he's a better three-point shooter. That's what That's the biggest thing. And, you know, he's able to stretch the four. You can play him with a Robert Williams without getting exposed. You know, you can play two bigs um, because he still has that, even though he isn't banging in a post like he used to, he still has that big body type where you can, you know, you couldn't put him at center. You can put him at power forward. You have some, you know, flexibility on that. And Jason Tatum, if I'm not mistaken, at one point during the season, like you said, he was playing a little bit of power forward too, which is, so odd to me. I mean, years back in the past, you know, maybe if we're talking about NBA back in like 2007, Jason Tatum's a shooting guard, and now you got him playing power forward. I mean, that's it's impressive how far the games come, but that also shows you, you know, the ingenuity that the Celtics seemingly have. But just going to, you know, what they can do, they have a big series coming up yep. against the Miami Heat and. Mm-hmm team that they're incredibly familiar with they played them a ton of times in the playoffs i mean what what's the scariest thing about this heat team that you would say that the the celtics have to worry about the scariest thing about the Heat team is that they were a jimmy butler mystery away from beating the celtics last year in the eastern conference finals this is a very good team and people are discounting them and saying the celtics going to run through them and i don't agree with that <laughs> like the celtics uh, again, it's about it's more about what the Celtics can do than what anybody else can do. Because, like, dude, the Celtics space the floor and rein in threes as well as anybody other than, like, maybe Golden State, dude. Like, the offense is legit. They also have one of the most efi- efficient defenses in the league. Yes, you're going to have to worry about playoff Jimmy Butler, who uh, sent Giannis and them home earlier in the uh, earlier rounds. Uh, but, dude, <laughs> the Celtics are so deep. They just need to play their game and they'll be fine. Yeah, it's like I look at I look at them and I look at the heat and I'm like, the depth that the Celtics have has always shown up in these series. It feels like their bench has always been better than the other team's bench. And that's why they win series. And I mean, of course, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, very good players, great players, really. But, you know. Of course, it's a team effort. And I feel like the Celtics are the they're the best, in my estimation, they're the best team left in this in this playoff, in these playoffs, besides the besides the Nuggets. On the opposite side, you look at the Nuggets and you're like, wow, the Nuggets are amazing. But the Nuggets also haven't been, they haven't been to the finals yet. Um, and Celtics, Celtics have the experience and the better record. So yep. I mean, I mean, you could you could outright make the argument that they are. They are the uh, best team remaining. But, I mean, still, the playoffs, they have these weird games, man. And there's always some sort of unsung hero that you're not expecting. And I'm going to be real about it. Bam Adebayo, at some point in that series last year, was killing the Celtics. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, we, we definitely got to watch out for him. Uh, yeah, but, yeah I Bam. He's, he's due. But who else do they have? Like, are we gonna see a I don't know a Lowry game? Like, like who else? 
What was they really have out here? We might see a Max Struess game. You never know. Or or a um a, you know is is Duncan Robinson do? Is he do? I mean, maybe. I but I I don't think that's the thing though. It's not like I look at I look at teams like that. It's if Jimmy's the only if they I feel like their offense is so heliocentric with with Jimmy that if you were to allow Jimmy to cook, if Jimmy's scoring forty points on you. And you just lock everybody else down, which I know the Celtic, they switch. So, I mean, they switch better than anybody in the league. Um, I don't think I've seen a team switch better than um, maybe the Lakers now with Darvin Ham as a head coach. They've, they've been up there. Right. Um, but I just look at I look at the way the Celtics play and the way the, the Celtics could wear people down. Um you know, I'm not going to discount the heat by any means. That's the other thing, too. I'm not I'm not saying it's to discount the heat because I think that that's an, inc- an incredibly tough team. And I wouldn't be surprised if the series went to seven and it could go either way once it gets to seven. But, you know, I look at the Celtics and I'm like, they're the favorite in this. They're the favorite by what they've shown on the court so far. However, at the same time, what they've shown on the court so far in the playoffs hasn't been what they've shown on the court in the regular season. So we we don't know. We don't we don't truly know. That's that's the toughest part about that. They've been scaring me, Kyle. <laughs> they lost to they lost to Atlanta without DeJounte Murray. You tell me that this heat can't, team can't take them to seven. They will take them to seven. Like, I think the Celtics will get it done ultimately, but it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, it's uh, not that 97%, the 3% that somebody, what was that? That was an ESPN. ESPN analytics, and that's the problem with analytics. Analytics doesn't watch the games. Anybody who's watched the Celtics, one, this postseason, or two last year against the Heat, knows that there's no way on earth you're only giving Jimmy Butler a 3% chance of upsetting the Celtics. Yeah, you Probably can, you, closer to 49-51 in favor of the Celtics. You cannot do you cannot count Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, for whatever reason, it's like that man, <laughs> it's like I've been seeing these, I've been seeing these memes and all the TikToks where Jimmy Butler, like they'll show a picture of Jimmy Butler and then they'll show him morphing to Michael Jordan <laughs> when he goes into the playoffs. And I'm right. like, honestly, it's not, it's like, man, it's not, he's doing, he's doing his best impression. He's doing his best impression. I mean, he's been Jimmy Butler's been the scariest player in this playoffs. No, or that's left, I would say, outside of it's it's him and Jokic. I mean, Jokic is Jokic doesn't need to do much to to obliterate people. But Jimmy is like when you watch Jimmy, you're you're looking at him and you're like, he's putting in full effort every night. I mean, you look back to when they were in the finals and you see the picture of him leaning over you know, the end of the end of the court at the, you know, and he's just, he's putting his whole soul into the game. And that's like, that's what you want to see in basketball. You want to see somebody put their full effort into it, especially when, you know, you got a lot of people by uh, DeMar DeRozan's, uh, (laughs) I I mean, he he voices opinions on um on Paul George's podcast about how he felt like a lot of guys were kind of dogging it and they didn't have that they didn't really care about the game as much as they led on but um 
you know, you love seeing Jimmy Butler put that effort in. Now, I know Celtics fans, they're probably like, eh, I, don't, I don't really love seeing Jimmy Butler put that effort in because, right. you know, take a couple. But, you know, who besides Jimmy, though, just transitioning, who's, who's the most impressive player on this on this Heat team? I mean, it's I know it's, the, it's been the Jimmy show, but who's the most impressive guy outside of that? I got to say, bam, man, I can't get that block out of my mind, man. You know, I, I can't get those big rebounded performances out of my mind. Like, you know, I think he's probably going to have a game or two where he just dominates down low. As good as the Celtics big are, bigs are. That's the next guy I'm looking to other than Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, Ed, I'll, I'll say this too. They had uh, your boy, Julius Randle in a blender. <laughs> Julius Randle looked like a first-year player against this um, against this Heat team, and you know, rightfully so. I mean, it, they got a really tough. They're a tough group. I would say Eric Spolster, for all the credit that a lot of people gave LeBron, you know, when he was there and gave Dwayne Wade and that, you know the triumvirate of them and Chris Bosh and. You know Pat Riley. Even I feel like Eric Spol Eric Spolster is arguably the best coach coach in the NBA outside. Of, if it's not Steve Kerr, it's him. I, I feel like that one A one B couldn't go wrong with either one. It's just the the impressive nature of what he's been able to do over the course of his time being in the NBA is is. I mean, it, it's something special to watch as a um, you know as an outside viewer, and no yeah. And with the with the Celtics having to go up against that mastermind of with a rookie head coach at that, yeah, exactly. With a with a rookie head coach, I mean, what kind of what kind of pause does that give you? Um, just to see uh, another another series where Eric Spolster is across the court against a rookie head coach because this is the same thing the same thing last year. You know, you had another rookie head coach that had to go up against Eric Spolster. He was able to get it done. But right. this is a different rookie head coach that also has to go up against the Eric Spolstra. Sure. I mean, the Celtics, they're, they're, they have a different feel to them this year. Last year's Celtics were, I think, much tougher, much more defensively minded. This year's Celtics can bombard you on offense and just completely put teams away. Um, again, still one of the most offensive, uh, efficient defenses in the NBA. But, I mean, the adjustments that the Celtics had to make during the Sixers series weren't super complicated. Like, you know, it was like, go back to the double big lineup that got you where you needed to go. It was like, okay, situationally, there was a couple of things that you might have done differently. But, like, it wasn't really, like, a crazy chess match. I mean, look at, look at game seven. Game seven was a I have Jason Tatum and you don't basketball game. That's what it was. Like, <laughs> like he completely took over and just blew the roof off the place, man. I mean, it's Jason Tatum. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, games four, five, and six will say, oh, that was Jason Tatum. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. And and I'll say, I feel like, you know, I this is the way I look at Tatum. I'm like, I, I think his his ceiling is just like freakishly high. Like, I mean, it was conversations during the middle of the season. Like, is he an MVP candidate? Um, sure. Top five for and, sure. Top four. 
And I think he, you know, I look at Tatum as like, if I just, you want to see him harness it just because of, if you're a basketball fan, you want to see the best guys play at their best at all times. I feel like Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's playing his best, but his higher floor gives it kind of, um, you know, you're not as like worried because his floor is so high. Now it's not to see that his ceiling is also not high because I think his ceiling is freakishly high too. It's just like Jason Tatum though. I'm like this dude, I I look at guys like him. I, go, I look at guys like Devin Booker, you know, the, the quote unquote Kobe disciples. Um, and I'm like, these two guys, when they're at their best, they're MVPs. But when they're when they're at their worst, it's like, do they have two left hands? <laughs> are they are they what's going on with their feet? Um, you know, and Tatum had me looking fine. foolish at the beginning of game seven, because like someone tweeted at me because he 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 had this nasty one-legged fader that he hit, right? Um, which I thought he had no business hitting because he's kind of like leaning around and then he turns and kicks the leg kind of like Dirk. And someone goes, that was shades of Kobe. And mind you, this is early in game seven. I'm like, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not bring Kobe into this because like Tatum for most of the series was the most unCobiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, so it's just the juxtaposition. Dude, when he puts it all together, he can take over basketball games. Like, when he puts it all together, he's the best player on the floor. I don't care who you have. I don't care if you have the league MVP. I don't care if you have Giannis. Like, he's the best player when he puts it all together. The problem is he has some of those games where it's like, dude, do we need to bench you? (laughs) Like, legitimate question. Legitimate question in game six. I'm glad Joe, like, trusted his guy and stuck with him. But, man, brutal. 100% 100% fair, 100% fair. Sometimes he just looks like he doesn't belong out there. Unfortunate. I mean, like in, in certain clutch spots. and It's in his head, man. He's, yeah. he's got something going on. It's all the physical tools. He has it all. It's in his head. It's something about it. He was saying in the post-game presser that he was too locked in going into game six. He was too focused on like, what do I need to do? How many points do I need to drop? What's my legacy going to look like? When in reality, he before game seven, he's like, all right, I'm chilling. I'm laughing. I'm joking. I'm me again. <laughs> and it showed. It showed. Like, he was having fun out there. He was fired up. He was yelling, just smile. You know, like, he was getting it. You know, we, we saw none of that for, like, the entire middle of that series. And maybe he has, uh, what is it? We call it in D.C. to Bradley Beolitis. Because uh, Bradley Beal mentor, though. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes when I see Tatum, I'm like, yeah, that was uh, that was Bradley Beal's guy. Because <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes in a fourth quarter, Tatum's either, he's either, he's Kobe in the fourth quarter, or he is Bradley Beal in the fourth quarter. And we've, we, we've all seen both. And I'm not saying, neither one of these guys are bad basketball. I mean, well, Kobe we we know but but Bradley Beal is not a bad basketball player that's that's one thing I want people to understand it's just that 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 aspect of him not being consistent is something that looms incredibly large 
with Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum's floor bails. I mean, his ceiling bails him out of a lot of those tough spots. I think. Good word, um, bail and and height. He also yeah. has the height too. I, I don't. Bradley Beal's what is he six three? You know, Tatum has that. Tatum has that extra height that I think it helps him on a defensive end as well. Um, and he's a little bit more athletic, uh, but you know, it's, I think that's, you just want to see, you want to see him at his, at his best because it makes basketball fun. I want to see these young guys take over in basketball. I want to see the Jalen Brown with it, who aren't, they're not the youngest guys anymore, right? but you know, Jason Tatum's not 19 anymore, like people would always say. He's just, right. <laughs> but he's 25. JB is 26. Yes. And that's that's the thing. Like these guys, you want to see them. We've had LeBron and Steph Curry in the league for so long now. Sure. It's time for the other guys to take the torch. You know, maybe it's if Jokic does it, you know, maybe, maybe he puts on an impressive show, but sometimes people People want to see, I think people like seeing guys that they feel like they can replicate their moves. When you watch Jokic play, you can't replicate anything that Jokic does because he's like eight feet tall and he's a big dude. Yeah. I probably can because I'm I'm huge, but I, but no one, you know, not the regular person is looking at like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and they're like, I want them to take over because I want to be able to play like those guys. I want to, you know, I see little kids wearing Jason Tatum shoes. You know, I don't think they're not going to wear a big man's shoes unless it's Shaq in in retrospect now with the Reeboks. But like, I feel like Jason Tatum, that influence that he has over this younger generation, if he wins a championship, he has them locked in. I feel like Devin Booker is the same way. If he ever wins a championship, he's going to captivate an entire generation of young fans that I don't think like if, if a Jokic wins doesn't do the same thing. I feel like Giannis did that too. Sure. Well, Giannis' but, story is incredible. That's yeah, Giannis incredible. just has a freak story. That's, I mean, it's insane. It's like Jokic, when you watch him, maybe he might not, he wasn't necessarily supposed to be where he is, but Jokic is a, I don't feel like Jokic is the, loud, he's not the loudest guy. He doesn't talk. I don't feel like he talks about his story a lot. So that might be part of it too. Yeah. But Jason Tatum, you see him and you're like, this guy grew up being this kid that was a was under Bradley Beal, learned from Kobe Bryant, went to Duke. It's like, is he going to arrive this season? And I feel like this is if, if there was any time to arrive is this time. And imagine if he did it against the Lakers. Yeah, dude. Bring LeBron all, back to the garden. <laughs> it would all be I want to see. I would I would love to see I would love to see it just for the fact of like Lakers Celtics is that's it that's that's the series that's the series and I don't I mean unfortunately I don't think that series will happen <laughs> just because I think that Nuggets team is that Nuggets team is ungodly I mean they Jokic is the truth he's the truth man it's not it's him Jamal Murray's playing playing really well. Um, he might not. Everybody's like, oh, is he bubble Jamal? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Jamal Murray is Jamal Murray at this point. And then you have Michael Porter Jr. who can't find a shot that he doesn't like, but he makes it work. Contavious Caldwell Pope, a person that the Wizards should have never traded. Um, that was that was another mistake by uh, a 
you know, front office that has left a lot to be desired. Um, and then you think about Aaron Gordon, my goodness, Aaron Gordon, whoever, if, when you looked at Aaron Gordon back at, with, with the Magic, you never would have thought he would have been this. Right. I mean, he's a defensive stalwart. Um, but, I mean, who, who would you be more afraid of if you had to face, I mean, the Lakers, if, if you're the Celtics, who would you be more, of, more afraid of to face, um, you know, the Celtics or, I mean, the, well, the Lakers or the Nuggets, which one? I mean, and if you made it to that point, obviously you have to get through, you know, the heat to get there, which is already a tough ask in itself. I got to go Lakers. And it's funny because you talked about like who were the scariest players left and you never mentioned LeBron James. Just a sign of the times. I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but I'm saying oh, LeBron, a sign of the times. LeBron is, field, is viewed as old and, you know, not as much of a threat anymore as some of the young guys. But, dude, I don't ever want to bet against LeBron in a seven-game NBA Finals winner-take-all series, you know? And, like, in huh? He's been who AD's been hooping too. Yeah. If he can put it all together for a stretch, watch out. Like and, they, and they've put together some nice, some nice complimentary pieces. I mean, D'Lo, good pickup. Rui Achimura, former wizard. Like, did you think Rui was gonna do this when he when he left? Like, <laughs> like let's let's be honest. On on this podcast, we talked a lot earlier on this season. Is Rui going to get traded? And sure enough, he got traded for a bucket of balls. Three first-round picks and Kendrick. No, okay. That's what the Wizards said. But that's neither here nor there. Rui's been Rui's been balling for them. I got to give him his credit. And they they seem to get it right with these former Wizards, except for Russell Westbrook. But, you know, Russell Westbrook was more of like the – he was the NBA's player more than he was the Wizards, uh, a former Wizard. So, you know – um, but this Lakers team, yeah, they have a lot of they have a lot a lot of depth. Um, Jared Vanderbilt has come on for them. Lonnie Walker, that other game that he had, Dennis Schroeder, defensively, impressive, just incredibly impressive. Got in the ear of Draymond Green multiple times. Got got himself ejected. I don't know how he got smacked, got the ball put in his face by Draymond Green, and then somehow Schroeder gets ejected, ejected for it. I don't, I don't get that one, but look, Dennis Schroeder, Dennis the Menace. Dennis that's the what menace. They, they have to call him Dennis the Menace, but they, I mean, that's, that's a menacing team. You're right. They got that. I mean, they're a tough team. They play, they play bully ball. It's like a reverse. It's like the Celtics is supposed to be the gritty team and right. the Lakers are supposed to be the flashy fun team. But Darvin Ham has brought that grittiness of Milwaukee to the sunshine of Los Angeles. Sure. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're a team that's just incredibly athletic and physical. And meanwhile, the Celtics, if you let them get hot, they just ain't nothing you can do about it, man. They're the new, I don't want to say the new warriors, but like similar enough style, man, just space that floor chuck up 43s a game. See what you get. Maybe they could be, maybe Joe Mazzula is uh baby Kerr, you know, yeah. we'll you never- see. I'm hoping he's baby Spolstra. That's what I'm hoping for. Hey, I, either one, you wouldn't be hurting with either one. You would not be hurting with either one. Um, but uh, you know, who with that being said, who is your finals pick? 
I know it's too early to tell. My final pick since the beginning of the season has been the Celtics. You can call me a homer if you want. I don't care. Um, I picked Celtics Nuggets. Pick the Celtics to win the finals too, by the way. And yeah, I mean, I just think, dude, it's their time. JB and JT, mid twenties, they're in their prime. You have the sixth man of the year. You have two incredible bigs. Um, you have a deep bench that Joe Mazzulla doesn't even really use. Like dudes like Grant Williams don't even play anymore. Like, <laughs> like they're dudes that like legitimately can ball that don't get run on the Celtics team. Um, like, I mean, they're, they're incredibly deep. They shoot the ball incredibly well. They're a very good defensive team. I get concerned about them with shot selection and their effort on the board sometimes, but dude, when they bring it, they're the best team in the NBA and therefore they should win the NBA finals this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. I also picked the Celtics, but you will not guess the team that I picked them to play against. It was, it was a wild pick, man. That was a wild pick. It's a it's a team from uh from your past uh that in a city that you used you used to play in, but clearly John Morant has some Grizz. other guys. It's, uh pick the Grizz, man. Yeah, I picked them to play against the Grizz and just man, that Grizzlies team just fell apart like crazy. That, that's another thing we could get into a little bit, but John Morant with the with the guns and the fact that he just I guess getting into a more serious topic on his end. Sure. It's just unfortunate that it's gotten to this point with him because I feel like Memphis, they Memphis is a beautiful city and people will really, you know, embrace you in Memphis. Um, and it just, it sucks. Cause it's like, Ja is Ja's the face of Memphis. He really, he truly is. Like when people think about Memphis with, one of the first things that come to mind right now, John ja Morant. You know, yeah. I hear Moneybag, yo, talking about John ja Morant and every other song. You were, I mean, regardless yeah, of... Your name dropped John ja Morant in the song. Oh, yeah. Regardless yeah. of who you want, if who John ja Morant wants to be, he is a role model to a lot of kids in, in that city. And, you know, I know, I know Charles Barkley was like, oh, I'm no role model. But you are though. When you when you have that, it's like you have you're doing all these community events and you know meeting with a bunch of people and doing these things, and then you got like all this foolishness going on. You know, I'm not here to say that. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm not here to say I'm not here to get on my high horse about anything. But at the same time, it's like you got a responsibility um, as a as the star of a franchise. regardless if you want that responsibility or not, regardless of the legality or not, that's a bad look for him. Um, you know, he, he it was legal in Colorado because it's an open carry state, but, you know, Memphis has had a lot of gun violence and you want, you want to not have that in the back of your head when you're the owner for the Grizzlies and, you know, also t- having his teammates there knowing that, is this guy going to be on the court for us? Right. That's the other thing. He's constantly, I mean, this will probably result in another suspension, I would I would guess, at this point. And it needs to be more than eight games. Don't give me that eight games BS again. Like, be real now. <laughs> like, yeah, that was crazy. I understand that he didn't do anything illegal, but, dude, the NBA is a private league and can do what it wants. And, 
Man, Ja, it's just so disappointing because I've dealt with Ja multiple times, right? I've asked him questions. Um, I talked to him here when he was at the garden. As a matter of fact, I was the one who asked him if he was still fine in the West. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, shout out to you. I see. I didn't even know that. I did yeah. not even know that. Yeah, after Malik asked the first time, then when he came to Boston, I asked him if he was still fine after after Phoenix added KD. Um, and, and then Kyrie went out to Dallas. So, yeah, I, I asked him that. Ja, by all accounts, has seemed like a, a, a really solid dude. He seemed like, you know, someone who works hard, loves the game of basketball. Like, he's always in gyms, man. Like, I would see him just pull up the high school team game, just hang out and watch hoops. Like, he's that kind of guy. But for him to be who he is, acting the way he's acting, pulling out guns on his IG Live, not just once, but twice, doing it now. And, like, you can't even blame the homies for this second one. You can't even blame them. First one, like, all right, kind of questionable. Who are you hanging around? Who's letting you act like this? If you watch the video, those dudes are in the car bumping some music, hanging out. Child for no reason pulls out the gun. And, and his homeboy's like, whoa, and drops the camera so people don't see it. Like, come see, on. That was, that was the craziest aspect of that video to me is that, like, in other situations, people people are like, yeah, 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 we got Joe on the on the camera with guns, and we're we're gonna be on IG. His boy was looking out. <laughs> he was looking yeah. out. Boy. He was like, no, don't do that. And he still got caught. Just unprompted. Like, what is? That's yeah, I don't thing. like that word. Get caught with Ja because Ja didn't get caught. Ja broadcasted what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Ja Ja wanted yeah. us to see that for whatever reason. I don't know what's inside of his head, but you don't do that if you don't want us to see it. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's a, I'm, I'm going to sound like, that's on like an old head. I'm not even that old, man. I'm 20, 29 and I'm starting to say old head stuff. That's bothering me a little bit, but like, what's up with, I feel like some, I won't, I won't paint a broad brush with all the younger players, but it's some certain younger players in the league. And I feel like this will come with age too. And Gilbert Arenas was guilty of this too when he was young, of just trying to trying to be too hard. Like you only had to be hard <laughs> to be in the NBA, or you yeah. could be hard, but you be hard on the court. Don't be don't be a tough guy off. The, you don't have to be a tough guy off the court. That's you know what's hard. You know what's really hard. Being able to transform your community and build generate gener- generational wealth. Well, that's a really hard. None of them gangsters can do that. That's more powerful than anything they, they can do. Like, and you want to try and pose with guns for clout when you... That's not what he grew up like either. That's the other thing. I think that's the thing that I kind of, like, I got to wrap my head around. I'm like, that's not, that's not, it doesn't seem like it's him. Maybe I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like that's him. it's him or not, you'll find even the most street dudes try to hide the fact that they got that stuff going on when they are playing with this type of dollars and influence and power. Like there was a guy in Memphis not that long ago. Uh, Zebo, yeah. Zebo. The city. You remember his uh you remember Zebo's pool table? I mean we all we all know the deal, but that's the thing. Zebo wasn't he wasn't he wasn't out like that. He wasn't going and trying to be tough off the court. Zebo was just like, look, I'm a 
I'm doing what I need to do. I'm I might be a I was a street dude, but I grew up I I did what I needed to do in my community. A lot of people love Zebo for what he had done. Zebo kept his head down when he was in the league. And that that's who I wish like I sometimes I'm like, I wish Ja would reach out to him for guidance, but because I feel like it needs to come from Ja. Can't it can't come from you know the outside. Or yeah. Mike Connolly, shoot. I wish Mike, if Mike Connolly ever retired, like if I was Ja, I'd talk to him. Shoot, get both of them on the line. Do something. Ja just seems like he doesn't care what's going on. Like he just seems like he doesn't care. Like he's like, all right, I've made my money. I've had my fun. I've been John Morant. Like that's that's just what it seems like. Like it's like you're doing this again after I'm sure people have been in your ear. I'm sure people have talked about it more than we have to you so like every single point in the book that we can think about making it's probably made the job 10 times over he just doesn't care like this is more fun to him than nba basketball apparently it's crazy it's crazy man but you know i i do i do greatly appreciate you getting on the podcast with us or i guess with me i've been been flying solo for a couple weeks but try to get the gang back together um, with uh, my boys Tex and, and Jack eventually and Taji too. But just wanted to say thanks again for jumping on the show. Tell us where we could follow you at. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, follow me on Twitter at underscore Kari Thompson, K-H-A-R-I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. And where can we read your stuff at? I read my stuff at boston.com and occasionally bostonglobe.com. T, shout out to Boston. That yeah. you would never hear me say that again on this podcast. Morian, uh, I cannot. Dang, that's crazy. <laughs> Look, hey man, you know, East Coast, we out here. We out here. You know, we're, you know the Bowash corridor. We gotta, we gotta rep that whole like corridor, the whole Northeast, man. But I mean, outside of football, is there really a rivalry? Like with, with baseball, I mean the Orioles. Are oh, the Orioles! We're not taking the Orioles seriously. Get out Orioles, of here! You're not put. You're not taking the Orioles series, man. The Orioles no. are tough this year. They're tough. I'm trying to tell you. Trying to tell you, the Orioles, Orioles made a World Series. When was it? Man, no, yeah, that was that was a minute ago. That was maybe uh, what was that? Ninety? No, eight. 83. That was the last exactly. time the Orioles won. You weren't even hey, born. Parents are probably like teenagers. Yeah, the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series for until 2004. Guess what? And it was a hundred years. I understand they run one more after that. Yeah. That's, look, that's that's how this is how Boston fans are, though, man. Boston yeah. fans like to rub it in. Of course. All, all the championships you all won. That's what okay. we do. <laughs> it's been four whole years since we won something. Okay, it's been a while. Oh man, you're lucky. Look, this is the thing. You guys are lucky that. The Bruins, hey, look, had the had the Bruins not gotten knocked out, I would have rubbed that in too. But I just want, well, actually, you know what? Matter of fact, I am going to rub it in because uh, thanks for the coach. I, I appreciate it. I'm a Golden Knight <laughs> fan. So, uh, you know, shout out to the Golden Knight. Shout out to my boy Cassidy getting mm-hmm. it done yeah. against Edmonton. He's been, he's been great for the Golden Knight. Great, great coach. He's been, he's turned that culture around. I don't think there was I don't think the culture was horrible at all. <laughs> I mean, if it's any team that's that's got a pretty good shot, it might be 
might be Vegas. Hopefully they bring it home for uh for Vegas, but you know, on that note, hey, Ravens still have Lamar Jackson. That's all I care about. He's better, <laughs> better. Yeah, he's better. got Jay Flowers, BC product. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's gonna be a baller too for them. I think he um, you know, that's one that's one person that I'm excited for as a person that constantly watches the Ravens is that they needed a guy who he looked, it's like people, when people saw him, a lot of Ravens fans were like, that's Hollywood Brown. And I'm like, I've seen Zay. (laughs) Zay ain't Hollywood. Zay is a total, Zay, they might be the same size and they might both be explosive and quick, but Zay is a little bit more physical than, than Hollywood Brown. Zay also will go across the middle and and take a take a big hit and then still hold on to the ball. I see some shades of Steve Smith, some shades of it. But and I'm, you know, as a Ravens fan, as a person that's watched the team, as a person that's even covered this team, they need they need him and Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman and you know Todd Munkin now as an offensive coordinator to get it all together. Cause Lamar is going to have it. Mark right. Andrews is going to bring it. Isaiah likely is good too, as a, as a number two tight end. They have Ch- Charlie Kolar coming back the rookie, or he was a rookie last year. They got to put it all together. If they put it all together, that defense, we know the Ravens defense is going to be humming. So, you know, hopefully for my sake, cause I don't know if I would be able to take it anymore to see another bad Raven season or another mediocre Raven season. But, hey, you know, just, just as long as they're better than the Patriots, I can rub that in, man. That's all. I'll take that. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. For the time being. It it's been <laughs> rough, man, watching Mac Jones in that offense last year. I do wish the Patriots would kind of take a leaf out of the Ravens playbook and get them some weapons. Draft a guy in the first round who might be able to help out this anemic offense, but that's another story for another day. It'll draft like a bunch of fullbacks and try to convert them to receiver and be like, here you go. Oh, you know, we took a corner. We took Christian Gonzalez, who is by all accounts a blue chipper, but I mean, we'll see, man. Him, Keon White at the end, you know, we we went defense first three picks when offense was clearly the problem last year. But I guess we got Juju, lost Jacoby Myers. We'll see how it goes. I, I don't have much more faith that the offense is going to be better. And the defense was good enough to the point where it's like the offense sucked, but the defense was good, so we were average. And I think that's similar. That's about the same 8-9 win range this season. All right, thank you again, Kyrie. Um, <laughs> just, man, we talked so much about the Celtics, that, and then we got into the – we got into football. All right, that's the end, yeah. Got way off topic. Hey, look, that, I, I just had to ask about the other Boston sports because I know you all are prideful up there about, about your sports. So got a lot of great writers up there. You're one of them, and I'm glad that you're continuing to do great in your journey as well. Been following each other for a while. I'm going to have to link up with you when I when I go up there to visit sometime. Um, got a lot of friends up there, so definitely appreciate you jumping on. Of course, man. It's a pleasure. Anytime. Let me know when Penn State brings you up here. Absolutely. All right, man. Take it easy.